The Sewer Show. Squatters and unwaged airwaves. Presenting views, news and interviews from the Centrelink queues. Information on your squatting, legal and other rights. Troublemaking news from around the world. Coming at you every Friday between 5.30 and 6.30pm on 3CR. Hi, this is Jim. You're listening to Sewer Show on 3CR. Um, I'm from a collective called Doing Ourselves and we're going to be talking a bit about that today. I've also got... Theo um, in the studio as well. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How's uh, how's your day been? Yeah, pretty good. Cool. Productive. Um, so today we're going to be talking about things uh, like the doing ourselves new new politics, uh, the new new strategy going forward ahead for, for the group, and um, yeah, also some things on ba- building alternatives and direct action things like that. So uh, probably start talking with uh, Theo about um, doing it ourselves. So. Uh, the basic um, doing ourselves politics from time was basically a um, was basically a one of collapse uh, economics, um, but recently that's changed. Do you want to uh, talk about that at all, uh, Theo? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I guess originally doing it ourselves was all about the idea that there's a big economic collapse coming, peak oil, um, financial catastrophe with the banks, uh, climate change, all of that sort of stuff, and that you know we're we're heading towards a future where we need to adapt by um, you know simplifying the way that we live and things like that. And I suppose. Um, we were hoping that um, by raising awareness of that um, future uh, that people would start transitioning now and that, um, you know, that we would be able to make a transition um, towards that future, um, you know, the positive one, not just the, the shitty, scary one. Um, and um, we ended up changing our politics um, for a number of reasons. Um, one was that uh, we... We felt like there was some confirmation bias um, going on in that, um, like, I think for me, I, like, to be totally honest, was a burnt-out activist um, and really didn't like the idea that in order to change the world that we needed to um, agitate, I suppose, and I got really excited by this idea that all we needed to do was build alternatives and, you know, let collapse happen and there was going to be this amazing transition and so on. Obviously, I never thought that that was a given. It was much more of a if we build enough alternatives, then everything will be okay. But but still, so, yeah, I guess um, eventually got my shit together and realised that was a bit bullshit. Um, yeah, what, what were the um, major... Uh, you know, decision-making points on that one. What changed your thoughts on that? Well, I guess there was, um, like, I mean, one thing was climate change. I think I hadn't fully uh, internalised it. You know, I wasn't in denial about climate change, but I think to some extent I was. Um, and, you know, I think the thing with climate change is it's just it's all happening so quickly. Um, what needs to be changed has to happen so quickly. I think... You know, agitation is is just crucial, um, or resistance, and that like, yeah. So that was one thing. Another thing was just waiting for this collapse that never seemed to happen, um, and um, 
Yeah, and that doesn't mean that I don't think collapse is still coming. I think it is at some point, but you know, governments and corporations and the elite, I suppose, have gotten exceedingly good at delaying it. Um, you know, all kinds of market control, um, different things that, yeah, are changing um, the the situation to keep things going for a little bit longer. Yeah, so I guess um, things like resistance and stuff, like active resistance against the system, is something that, that doing ourselves is encouraging. Like, um, what forms of, of resistance, rather than sitting back, are you thinking about, or, or as the group as a whole collectively thinking about? Well, you can answer that just as much <laughs> as I can. But, um, but yeah, I guess, and we'll be talking about that a bit later. But um, I suppose, um, yeah, direct action in particular uh, is a big one. Um, I think another thing that the group is like, the, basically the new d- doing it ourselves politics is that we want to, um, you know, raise awareness about the fact that the system as it is doesn't make sense, um, that it needs to change, that we can't just, um, we can't change anything enough just by changing small piecemeal kind of things. Um, and, and and that hardly anybody is actually being like fulfilled in this current system you know there's so much loneliness and unhappiness and mental health issues and crime and suicide and all of that sort of stuff even amongst the rich um that you know i think um really it's 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 time for change so that that's the first big thing and then the um the second thing is just you know there are other alternatives um there's a lot of stuff that people are building right now and there's there's a lot that, you know, can't be put into action until until it's society-wide, I suppose. Um, and then the third bit is just we can fight for that change to happen and we can win. Yeah, cool. Um, so in terms of this new direction now, are you finding um, from your perspective the, the new, new members that are coming in, are you finding it really refreshing and a new direction? Are you finding it exciting? How, how are you feeling about all that? Yeah, really excited. Um, it, it's it's awesome. You know, there's a totally new crew um, and some of the old folks are still around as well. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's quite a different crew. There's a lot of people who are more into resistance-type activism, which is really nice to not just be in my own little bubble with the transition alternatives kind of folks anymore. And, yeah, it's a really... Um, uh, good group of committed people I'd say um, we're working really hard on not having um, hierarchy in the group which is really nice and yeah 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 so it's a, it's a good thing to bring up like definitely something worth mentioning is that um, doing ourselves actively kind of tries to uh, lean away from hierarchies it's a very anti-hierarchy group and um, you know with that there's always a lot of challenges um, within groups those things sometimes naturally come up so um, how have you found um, the issue of hierarchy within the group? Is that something that you found challenging or something that you found really easy to kind of, you know, keep an eye on? Um, yeah, it's been really interesting. I guess we've um, we've spent some time um, talking about it as a group. Um, we've committed to having um, a check-in about it every, every other meeting, um, which is every second month. Um, so at the beginning of the meeting, we go around the circle and we all talk about how we're feeling about hierarchy in the group. Um, and that's been just amazing. It's been like, for me, a real, like, um, a really awesome group because 
I guess I've often been in the position of being um, the person who starts a group and um, and ends up taking on a lot more of the responsibility and the stress around things. And, um, yeah, I think this group um, is definitely the least hierarchical um, that I've been um, involved with um, because, because we've been doing those check-ins and because there's such an intentionality around it. Um, do you want to talk, Jim, for a second about why we want the group to be so non-hierarchical? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I can only speak from my perspective and what I assume the group is about. But, um, yeah, I think that we kind of realise that a lot of things that um, go wrong um, in society today within this current system, um, really hierarchy has a large um, part to play in that. You know, you get um, large forms of oppression all across the spectrum, Um due to people's, you know, power and, and how that works and, and keeping that division of power um, and keeping those people um, in those positions of hierarchy means that it's about keeping others oppressed um, so they don't get a say. Um, so I think that, yeah, coming into the group, yeah, I found us really, it was really refreshing that, A, it was something that we weren't just doing tokenistically, but it was something at the forefront for the group and we really made sure that it was something that we... Um, we reflected, you know, in, in almost every meeting that it was something that we were, it was one of our main goals. And I think that was really refreshing. And I think that um, just the people that have become attracted to the group have naturally kind of been really good with that stuff. And I found, yeah, I found that out of all the groups I've worked with that are um, non-hierarchical, this is definitely one of the, the, the best I've, I've been involved with as well, where there's been this kind of like flat level of organising um, it's been really great everyone feels like they've got an even say and an even um autonomy within the group which is really great um yeah which i'm really thankful for um and even new people that come on board seem to reflect that as well so that's been really refreshing um yeah um i guess i guess that's been my take on it um yeah 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 do you feel that um do you feel that that's something that will be easy to deal with as the group if if say new people come aboard and it gets larger how would you you know expect that becomes do you feel like that's going to become a bigger issue or harder to deal with or Mm -hmm. no i think it'll be quite interesting though um you know i think we'll end up um splitting up into working groups and all of that sort of stuff and and keeping that focus there and yeah, we've got a, a strong statement of purpose that um, I think can sort of guide the actions of the group without without needing to resort to, um, you know, hierarchy or whatever. Um, and 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 I think also we've got a strong sense of leaderfulness. Um, so yeah, a lot of people talk about leaderless organisations, but I think we we're really aiming to be a leaderful organisation as much as possible and, and skilling people up and big focus on, um, you know, talking about things like jargon and defining terms as we go. And, um, yeah, you can say a bit more about yeah. that. Yeah, no, I definitely, um, I share that optimism. I think that we seem to be handling it really well and I think we'd handle it really well as we move forward. Um, and I think, yeah, jargon is something that, yeah, we're, we're dealing with as well. We don't really realise in the movement um, you know, whether you call it the left or the progressive or whatever, that we use a lot of internal jargon that gets lost on new people coming into us. And so I think that's something that we're actively 
working on as well, um, which I think has really been really valuable as well. And we're making sure that um, we pick ourselves up on that stuff. And, yeah, we're putting a guide together to kind of make that easier for new people entering the movement, which I think will be really valuable. Yeah. Um, yeah, And, yeah, yeah. tied into that as well, I guess another thing about um, what we're trying to do with doing it ourselves is is that we really want to be, you know, doing a lot of outreach, so going beyond just talking to people inside the movement. Um, uh, yeah, we're we're hoping to start doing a lot of postering and stickering and stuff like that. Um, we want to um, do a lot of stalls on the street. Um, you know, what are some of the other projects that we're keen to do? Yeah, I mean, definitely community outreach. I think, like you've hit it on the head, is something that we're going to be actively really um, invested in and talking to, you know, every facet of society not just people in our bubble which i think is really really valuable i think um yeah obviously the radio show is going to be is our um, next step but then there's also um yeah, like you said the the flyering and workshops as well coming up um it's a big one as well so whenever we have workshops we'll be able to you know put that through website information and we'll be able to get that out there um yeah so there's lots of co- cool uh, things coming up so this is tracy chapman and uh yeah this will be Uh, Yeah, talking about a revolution. Common Ground Festival is back this November, featuring Frank Yammer, Dallas Frasca, Emily Waramura, The Deans, plus loads more. Complementing the music makers on stage will be free workshops from the Group Work Institute, a social change unconference, mouth-watering food and nature in abundance. It's about working together to make the world a better place and having one heck of a good time along the way. So visit commongroundfestival.org.au for your tickets. A 3CR supporter. Hi, uh, we're back. Uh, that was a good song, I think, that we listened to there, I guess. Uh, and, um, yeah, now we're still in the studio with Theo. Um, we touched on things that Doing It Ourselves do. Um, basically, one thing that we... I guess promote really well is uh, building alternatives um, as part of, you know, the tenets of the things that we do. Um, We're not going to get to a world that's better unless we have some alternatives happening um, to to shift to. So I was wondering if you wanted to elaborate from your perspective, Theo, the things that um, you've been, you know, the alternatives you've been building um, lately. Um, Yeah. Maybe before I I talk about... um a couple of projects, Livelihood and Gnomes Farming Co-op, I'll, I'll just say I think the reason why um, building alternatives is so important uh, is because the, like, if, if we actually want to build the kind of movement um, that's strong enough to be able to really change things, um, then I think we need to overcome cognitive dissonance. I think we need to get to the point where, um, you know, people in general aren't just, like, feeling like there's, you know, things are shit but there's no alternative so I'm just going to ignore it and keep on keeping on, you know. And, um, and, And to some degree I think even a lot of people can't even acknowledge that things are shit because they think there's no alternative. Um, like unless, unless people can see that there is an alternative um, that, you know, is like actually better than what they've got now, um, then I think it's really difficult for, um, 
for people to get excited about actually fighting to change the world because, you know, it's a lot of effort and, um, yeah, it's very easy to be cynical. Yeah. Um, you mentioned cognitive dissonance just before. Um, did you want to Thank explain you. a little bit about what that means? What, what yeah, is cognitive totally. dissonance? Yeah, totally. Sorry. I'm always constantly appreciative of everybody else in the group calling me out for the jargon stuff because I, I am, you know, <laughs> it's, it's tricky to notice. Um, but, um, yeah, cognitive dissonance is a um, – it's a, it's a psychological term that basically um, – means that the you know that that you might not be happy about something um but like say climate change you might not be happy about climate change but everything in your life that you do um is geared towards living in a particular way that you know mainstream society lives perhaps i'm not saying this is definitely you but it might be and um and if that's the case um, then you might find it difficult to really think about climate change and to really fully accept it. Um, because if you were to fully accept it, you would have to change everything about your life or be a bad person, basically. That's cognitive dissonance is that, um, you know, we end up um, ignoring one thing because the other thing is, is too overwhelming. Like, yeah, I feel like I'm not explaining that very well, but I think people will get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you've you've pretty much hit it on the head. It's it's you know from my understanding, yeah, it is basically that kind of not wanting to really come to terms that you know everything else that you do in your life is contributing to the thing that you might be against, and so um, sometimes it's easier to, to um, ignore that and and you know limit that to to your to your framework, and that totally that can ty- kind of um, affect your behaviour. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think I I definitely was a sucker for it. You know, like as I said before, I I believed in climate change and all of that, but I didn't fully, fully get it. Um, and fully getting it meant I had to change the way I was doing things. Yeah, totally. So um, so you mentioned before those those alternatives that you were, um, you know, doing, one of them being livelihood. Um, yeah. Yeah, did you want to talk a little bit about livelihood and what that's all about? Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's a project um, a few of us are involved in where – it's not part of livelihood, but it's a, a separate uh, – sorry, not part of doing it ourselves. It's a separate project. But um, basically what we're trying to do is create a utopian alternative economy. Um, so, you know, trying to create a situation where a community of people can actually get their needs met, um, physical material needs as well as, you know, needs for community and joy and um, things like that. Um but the, where we can get our needs met in a way that is both joyful, sustainable and um, an ethical and egalitarian affair. Um, and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really exciting project. We're gearing up to do a trial um, in February. We're just um, getting everything underway, ready for that. Um, but, yeah, the basic idea is is that we'll we'll be doing a whole lot of letterboxing. We're going to be starting in Preston um, and, um, and then organising a first meeting where we'll come together. Um, people will be able to um, brainstorm what sort of groups that we could start. So it might be things like, um, you know, cooking communal meals or um, 
childcare groups or um, mending groups, gardening groups, all kinds of different things we could we could do. Um, you know, fixing groups like the sky's the limit. We could do whatever we want, um, and um, yeah, make come up with a bit of a prioritization of that list as a group, um, and then basically get people to sign up for the top few groups depending on how many people come um try to have maybe 10 people in each group so that we have um you know a sense that you know the work won't be stressful because there's enough people doing doing stuff um and also that we um yeah you know so it's okay if you're not there every single week so there's no actual time commitment um involved but the way it'll work is that people are committing to contributing to the needs of, of the the group as a whole. So, and if you're a part of one of the groups, then um, you get stuff for free from the other groups. So it might be that you get, um, you know, you help in the mending group and you get a communal fit meal and you get your bike fixed. And, and as the group grows, we'll be able to start bringing in more and more on different things. Yeah, awesome. Um, you know, with the livelihood and, 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 the, and the project and running it and things like that, what, is, what do you think has been the biggest challenges, like, in getting that up the ground and going? <sighs> um, well, the funniest thing about it, I guess, is has been figuring out the model, I suppose, of how we actually want to make it work. So what I just described there is the latest version of the model. Um, we've probably been through at least 10 different models. Um, I, I guess, in a way, it's quite a tricky thing, what we're trying to do, because... Um, you know, we live in a in a crazy capitalist society that, um, you know, where, where work is not fun and um, where people aren't used to, you know, making decisions in groups where where conflicts happen and and people don't know how to deal with them. Um, where like, yeah, all, all kinds of issues. And so I suppose. Um, yeah, as I said, there's been about 10 different versions. And, um, yeah, to some extent, I, I often wonder whether or not it's actually possible um, to start a sort of utopian microcosm of an economy inside of this one. And obviously, um, you know, what we're doing isn't going to be perfect and it's just going to be a microcosm and we're going to have to actually change the system before before it's really really useful. Um, but what we're hoping to be able to do with it is is to create a microcosm that demonstrates to people that we could replace the existing system with one a lot more like this, um, where people are just working together, contributing because they want to and because they care about the community and everybody's getting their needs met because we all care about each other. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I've always, I guess, wondered that. I mean, that's something that's inevitable is trying to build like this new system within the shell of the old you're never going to be able to get it running perfectly because the old system is constantly doing everything it can to make sure these new systems don't work totally Um, but um yeah yeah and i i think that's one of the reasons why as well forgot to mention it earlier but why the resistance and agitation type stuff is really important is you know we can't just build alternatives and expect that we're going to be able to have them grow and then take over this society um you know the powers that be will find ways of crushing them absolutely um and yeah the other thing i was going to say so yeah so it needs to be hand in hand resistance and alternatives going together um yeah and the other thing i was going to add in about the model is that um there's another aspect to it as well which is that we're encouraging people to start um 
really radically ethical and joyful enterprises. Um, so encouraging people to start basically businesses, um, not-for-profit cooperatives, um, where they can sell goods and services that are produced in an ethical way, um, doing work that's part-time and relaxed and joyful and organised in a non-hierarchical way, all of that sort of stuff, um, in order that people can actually make a living and, and be able to survive and pay their rent and pay for all of the things that we can't produce for ourselves through the Livelihood Network. Um, so that's one of the ways that we're, you know, trying to be pragmatic to deal with the, the issues that I was just talking about. Yeah, cool. So, I mean, I guess that's the challenges, but I guess what, um, what's been something that's been a real success, something that like happened like a moment that, you know, through the building of the network that you're like, wow, this is great. This is possible. This is a, this is a moment that really reflects my, you know, this is, this is something that's possible and achievable. Hmm. Um, well, actually, yeah, a couple of weeks ago we did a, um, a simulation of a first meeting. Um, so we invited a bunch of people to help us test it out. Um, that was really exciting because it, it sort of gave us a sense of, yeah, this could totally work. Um, and, yeah, and, and probably the other thing I'd say um, has been the Gnomes Farming Cooperative. So initially that was part of livelihood. We're not totally sure if it is or not anymore, but regardless, um, it's... Um, it, it's a, another group where basically we get together um, in small groups and garden together in backyards or front yards or whatever. Um, and, and it's been amazing, particularly lately. There's just been a real sense of um, people getting together, um, you know, gardening, but just us really enjoying it. Just that feeling of community and, and the skill sharing and the joyfulness, like that, that's what livelihood is all about. Um, gnomes as well um and it's it, it's just so wonderful when it happens you know um we're left sort of um afterwards talking about it just feeling like yeah that that actually was utopian <laughs> you know it's, it's quite quite a funny thing when that happens that's great that's awesome what type of things have, have gnomes done recently like what's what's a recent thing that's happened um we had a pruning workshop. We built a composting toilet. Um, the Westgarth Group have been building bee hotels. Um, um, they've been doing beekeeping stuff. Um, lots of different things. Um, yeah, there's been, um, I guess, yeah, so there's a few different sites. There's three sites in Preston and one in Westgarth. Um, oh, and we're just starting a new one in Coburg. That's really exciting. Oh, and... Um, the other thing is that um, we've just finished a starter pack um, for people to be able to start their own new GNOME sites. Um, so, yeah, that should be up on the website pretty soon. Um, and, yeah, if anybody wants to check out the website, it's www.livelihood.community. Um, and then GNOMES is, is up there. That's part of that. Yeah, cool. awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're obviously the, the two main ones that you've been focusing on and, and getting on. What what type of um, alternatives do you want to see kind of new projects coming up in the very near future? Is there anything that's like in the pipeline that's like, you know, in the back of Theo's mind going, oh, mm. that's something I really want to get up and running someday real soon? Yeah, totally. Um, there's a few. So um, one would be like an alternative media um, project, something like a – a bit like a newspaper or a, um, a you know, an online video, etc., kind of um, website. 
Um, but with an actual physical newspaper, even if it's just once every three months or something, um, that, you know, is putting out radical ideas that um, – but it's it's written for the public. It's not written for radicals. So, like, putting out ideas like um, – you know, covering current affairs and all of that sort of stuff, but putting out the idea that, you know, the the system is rigged and and that, like, it's only the elites that are benefiting, that, that all of this emphasis on, um, on refugees and Muslims and terrorism and all of that sort of stuff is just divide and conquer tactics that's helping us, like, encouraging us to ignore the real problem, which is the elites fucking us all over um totally yeah yeah, so yeah yeah that's one project i i definitely have the same sentiments as a big project that i'd yeah really like to yeah also like to work on is yeah this media and letting people kind of have an understanding that those typical you know fairfax and murdoch papers are, are not necessarily um you know something that we you know there's there's alternatives to those papers that's not the only options that are out there there are there are other ways of getting news and so finding those and giving giving an alternative for people to get um yeah is something that yeah i'm really looking forward to working on and if anyone yeah is looking forward to working on those um at all then they can also get in touch with doing it ourselves i guess and yeah, totally. get involved which is great yeah. um info at doing it ourselves.org is our email address yeah so shoot a line if you're if any of that sounds interesting um i think next we'll go to uh, a song that we've got coming up uh this one is called utopian futures um so yeah it'll go for about six minutes or so so um yeah just chill out and enjoy it and um yeah we'll be back soon beautiful so that is one of my favorite just ever songs the first time i heard it i cried i still cry occasionally just you know those lines um where you've never had a boss where the ice caps are growing like it's just beautiful um anyway that to me is is a part of the the world that we're working towards um but yeah, now I've just wanted to interview Jim a little bit about direct action. So maybe, and some of the work that you've been doing with that. So maybe you could start out, Jim, just by telling us um, what is direct action? Yeah. Um, always a good question, I guess. Um, really easy, I guess, to start answering that straight away and then looking deeper into it becomes a bit more uh, complex. I guess um, at face value, Direct action is whenever people kind of actively, um, you know, using their body um, get involved in um, in something where they, they see it, an unethical situation happening, be it a, a company or a, you know, a large corporation or a government. Once they're doing something that they find unethical, they go out there um, to actively try to stop it or... Um, or draw attention, um, you know, out there at the place uh, where this where this thing is happening. So that's usually um, how people interpret it. That can be, you know, more widely. That can be like a rally or a protest. Um, but more specifically, you know, people can um, go to a forest where deforestations are happening and try to stop that from happening, or or go to a business that might be doing some making its money through some type of um, you know immoral t- you know process, and that's something that um 
that's something that um, people will will go to and um, yeah, and try to stop in some way, shape, or form. Um, be it through an occupation or just um, or just um, you know blockading something like that. Um, I guess for me, specific more specifically, um, yeah, it's 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 more about actively. Um, getting in the way of a process and stopping that process and, and shutting it down, stopping it from happening. It's kind of giving um, people within the community the power within themselves to, to, to make a difference in the world and, and change even just for an hour or a day, um, change how things are done um, and, and try to make the world a little bit more ethical in that way. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, awesome. Sounds great. Um, so just a reminder, you're listening to 3CR, 855 AM dial. Um, this is the, the sewer show and it's the doing it ourselves time slot at 6.14 PM. So now, Jim, can you tell me a bit about, I mean, you mentioned protests and rallies. My, my understanding was that direct act, like the protests and rallies aren't direct action. Um, could you clarify that a little bit and maybe... Why? Why you're particularly interested in direct action rather than than other kinds of protest? Yeah. So I mean, widely in in the whole movement, sometimes people refer to any any type of activity um, as an action, um, whether it is a rally or that. Um, I'm particularly more um, directed towards the the more intervening side of direct action. So I kind of t- tend to help um, with organising and. and and helping people um, stop those bad things from happening because I think that that's um, that can sometimes be the way that that organisations can really take you know notice when you go to a rally or um, turn up to somewhere and hold a placard. It's really easy for those companies that you know are run off of profit and are driven off of economic motives to like kind of ignore that. It's very easy for them to to shy away and turn a blind eye to that because it doesn't affect their their goal, which is just making another dollar for the day. But if you can hit them where it hurts in their pocket, that can kind of um, make them start to realise that there is there is the possibility for community to make a change and make a difference, and they can kind of see that. And sometimes it changes the way they do business, um, or sometimes it just becomes not profitable for them to make business anymore, and then they stop doing it. Um, so yeah, it can have it can have an effect either way, but the end of the day the great thing is that you know it's you know when you go out there and you spend your day doing a direct action you go home knowing that you've actually done something positive you know whatever small difference you know there might be a few less trees that were cut down that day or less carbon emissions that were put out that day or you know less money that was made out of something that is highly unethical that was made that day so you know, no matter what you do, that's something that you can always know was worth it. You you actively made a difference that day. You you went out of your normal comfort zone and and you made a change. So yeah, that yeah, that cool. I think is really powerful totally. and empowering. Yeah. Um, and and could you tell me what's the most fun direct action you've ever been part of? Um, most fun direct action I've ever been part of. Um, yeah. Um, it's a good question. I've haven't thought about it too much. Um, I had a really fun one today. Um, went and um, drew attention to Wilson. Um, they've done some pretty bad things with human rights abuse lately um, with um, 
having security on Manus and Nauru detention centres. And um, to draw attention, we put a banner um, on their training centre today. So that was something that, you know, getting up there and doing that was, was, was a fun thing. But there's been so many others that were real fun. Um, I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't use the word fun, but really engaging and, and like inspiring is a, is a word that I tend to think of with, with direct action. And so some of the most inspiring ones were um, like when we went to um, a, a banking corporation um, <laughs> last year and we went into the into their head office and there was um, people from Island Nations that were there because they're getting – they're at the brunt of um, – climate change you know they're the ones that get that get most of the of the um of the issues with sea rising levels they're the ones that are affected first before any of us so they came to this action and were really a a central part of it and the action was kind of molded around what their needs were and um one of them was so inspiring they spent the whole day there um you know giving you know giving their speech from their heart of like where they come from and what what their effects are and the whole of the building was like, you know, all of the workers there were outside of their offices watching and it was really amazing. Mm. Um, and, you know, performed an, a, a, a ceremony and a, and a dance from, from his island nation, which was really inspiring to see and um, really powerful. And they couldn't ignore that. You know, it was right in the headquarters and, you know, it's so much staff and management were able to see that and witness that and it wasn't something they were able to turn a blind eye to. So that for me was a really inspiring one that happened mm. last year. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Um, and it seems to me like every time I see you, you've been doing some other action, or there's probably been two or three since since I saw you last. Um, how, how do you manage to do so much? Um, I, I don't I don't know. Um, I guess lots of um, lots of other people um, in the background that do so much work as well. So being surrounded by good um, friends and, and teammates who all come together and, and do these things. I think I couldn't do any of it without them. And that's, that's the thing is, is finding people that you, um, are inspired to work with and enjoy working with and doing these things Mm. together, um, definitely makes it something that, um, motivates you to do these things as well. It's not an arduous task when you get together with people, you know, and trust and, um, and think of these things, um, is one of them. Um, I think also just the moral imperative, like it's, it's hard for me to ignore it. It's hard for me to, to spend my days not wanting to actively do something, um, in the world to try to do a little bit of difference, even if it's a tiny amount, like, you know, if we all do a little bit, that makes a big difference. And so I'm only just doing my little bit. And so I guess just the, just knowing that motivates me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Totally understand. Yeah. Um, I think maybe another question people are often curious about with direct action is, is you're going to get arrested some of the time that you're doing it. Um, how does that go down? Like what are the impacts of getting arrested? Is it scary? Is it um, going to have impacts on your ability to work? All of those sorts of things. Yeah, super um, awesome question. Um, yeah, I guess the the great thing I can say is that it doesn't have much impact on your life in a negative fashion. I mean, I've been doing this stuff for years and years. And I mean, even in the last, I would say 
year. I've been probably arrested once out of maybe countless, countless mm-hmm. actions. Like you could, you could spend a lifetime doing actions and never get arrested possibly if as long as, you know, you put yourself in those positions that you don't want to be arrested. It's really actually quite difficult. In fact, sometimes I've put myself out on the line going, okay, today I'm, I'm going to stand so hard against what they're doing that I'll probably get arrested. I'm okay with it. And I still didn't get arrested. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to even when you want to. Um, it's, we're lucky, yeah, we're lucky that we live in a country like this where we can actually, um, you know, for the moment at least anyway, um, do these things and have, um, you know, little consequences for them. Um, you know, um, when you do get arrested on those very rare accounts, it's for the most part a pretty boring process. It's not like, you know, for me I haven't found it scary or anything like that. It's more admin stuff and... You know, you can get a fine and, and stuff like that and a good behavior bond, but it's not really anything that really affects, um, you know, travel or, or work or anything like that um, for me. So, um, yeah, it's definitely something that's really easy to do um, from that perspective. Um, yeah. Interesting. Cool. Um, and if people were wanting to get involved with the sort of direct action that you're talking about, what sort of groups would you direct them to? Um, yeah, I'd get them to kind of look out to any grassroots organizations that are out there that are doing this stuff. Um, you know, there's, um, you know, keep an eye out on things like, um, WACA, which is the whistleblowers activists and citizens Alliance. They're doing some amazing activist and, and direct action stuff. Um, direct action Melbourne are also doing some, some direct actions, which is great. Um, you know, there's lots of organizations and, and stuff out there that, that can do it. Um, but don't even feel like you have to do that. I mean, if you have a few friends that, um, you know, believe in the same stuff, um, you know, anyone can do that. And then you'll probably find that you'll quickly find other allies and people that um, share your views and, and stuff like that. And they can help and share skills and tactics and all that with you. You'll probably end up meeting up with them in the movement if you start just coming together with a small collective and doing stuff as well. So, you know, start your own small affinity groups out there with your friends and do what you think is right. Yeah, totally. Awesome. So I think we're going to go to a community service announcement now. Tune in, dig deep and clean up by purchasing some fantastic discounted gardening books from 3CR's online garden store. We have books on water-wise gardening, organic vegetables, roses, climbers and creepers and even clematis. It's easy. Just go to our website, 3cr.org.au and follow the links on the front page. Don't have internet access? Call the station during business hours between 9 and 5 and we'll post out a catalogue in the mail. All proceeds help keep Melbourne's favourite gardening show on air for another year. Tune in 7.30am every Sunday morning. Hey, this is Jim. Just, uh, yeah, back again. This is uh, 3CR, um, Radical Radio. We're um, currently the sewer show and it is 6.24. Um, So... Right now, uh, we're going to really just quickly go through a couple of announcements of things that Doing It Ourselves is getting up to. Um, one of them is a social get-together, which is getting, which is happening on Tuesday at 7 o'clock. So um, if um, people are feeling like finding out more about what Doing It Ourselves is all about and um, happy to get together, talk, you know, we're going to be talking about lots of things like 
politics and also just the direction the group's going in and just really just getting to know each other. Um, we'll be meeting at that Abbotsford convent um, at Lentils and uh, yeah, that'll be at seven o'clock. So come down and have a chat. Yeah, it'd be awesome to see you guys there. Um, and um, yeah, if, if you want to contact us in any other way, the best way is info at doingitourselves.org. Um, if you want to join our newsletter, you can let us know through that email as well. Um, and we've also got a, a Facebook page, Doing It Ourselves, um, on there. And um, yeah, we're going to go to a song. Um, this is... Um, a, a pretty special song. It's called Affluenza. Uh, it's it's by a, a a band called Crash Narrative. It's um it's actually Sam Alexander's band. So if anybody out there knows Samuel Alexander, shout out. Um, he's the guy who started the Simplicity Institute. Um, they do some pretty amazing stuff, putting out information about um, ways that we need to change the world um, towards you know like. I mean, similar sort of goals, I would say, to doing it ourselves. Um, you know, they believe um, that we need to really simplify and go low-tech, um, cure affluenza, which is actually what this song is called. Um, so, yeah, we might head to the song. Cool. Thanks. Um, thanks for your time in the show, Theo. Thanks for all the awesome stuff. No worries. Um, see all the people later. Also, like to thank Anissa, who was um, in the studio today, helping us out with uh, the board and getting everything going. So, um, yeah, see you all later. Cheers. Um...